You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1277, and it's our 1590th interview. We've been on the air since March of 2009. We're the longest-running business podcast here in Orange County, California. The leadership killer reclaiming humility in an age of arrogance exposes hubris as the single most lethal leadership flaw. Being a good leader doesn't require being a bad person. Bill Treasurer is on our show today to discuss the big ideas contained in his latest book. Bill, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Richard, it's great to be on. I look forward to spending time with you and all your listeners. Yeah, and uh, let's get started. What's the main idea contained in your latest book? The big idea is that leadership involves a healthy ego and the wise use of power. But power is intoxicating, and it can become addictive. And sometimes the bigger the ego that gets, the more intoxicating the leadership power becomes, and then it switches. Leadership no longer becomes about serving the people that you're leading, and it becomes about the gratification of your own ego, and then it's dangerous to the people you're leading and to yourself. And uh, our audience made up of middle market business owners, CEOs, presidents, people who are, in fact, leading organizations and teams of people. And um, I found it interesting in your book because you make a you talk about the fact that good people can be bad leaders. And I, I wonder if you could because you, you kind of list a, a bunch of qualities that are leadership killers. One of them is not deceit. Because you make the point that you believe that leaders are generally good people. So could you expand a little bit on what you wrote and your perspective? Sure. And that's truly my, my experience, as it is, I'm sure it's your experience as well, is that most people that go into leadership don't set out to become a bad leader. They set out with wise intentions. They want to do right by others. They want to make things happen and cause results and shape decisions and be effective and these are great reasons to go into leadership. But so when you get into leadership, people start sort of sometimes over time kissing up to you. And some people aren't aware that it's even happening. And before long, the leader starts to become seduced by all of the perks and trappings that leadership comes with. And at that point, you may switch over into this idea of hubris. We, what, we spoke to one CEO, and he talked about when you put a person in a new role as a leader for their first time, to really watch do they grow? In other words, do they get interested in leadership? Do they want your mentoring? Do they pepper you with questions? Do they strive to do better? Or do they swell where they start becoming, they get the Napoleon complex, where they start becoming more of a dictator. They start paying less attention to the needs of their people and only for the results that they have to get. So, so this is, becomes one of the clues as to a person might be switching from sort of good to bad. Do they grow or swell? I could go deeper on that subject right there, but I have a bunch of questions based on your book, and I want to get to as many of them as I can in the time that I have with you, Bill. And we're talking sure. with Bill Treasure. We're talking about his book, The Leadership Killer, Reclaiming Humility in an Age of Arrogance. Why do you – you write about it in the book, but share with my audience why you believe we need good leaders. Oh, 
you know, the most monumental things that have ever happened in the history of the world. Uh, landing on the moon, for example, or a social movement like Martin Luther King or Gandhi. These things take uh, compelling and oftentimes moral leadership and moral authority. Leaders get things done. And without the effect, the effective agent that leaders are by bringing power to a situation, things would sort of flounder. So it's natural. I think it's natural to the biological species. I think it's, not, I think it's natural even in the animal kingdom that some of the animals, animals will step up and sort of become in that leader role. We have silverbacks, for example, in the gorilla community. So it's a natural and normal thing for our communities to want to follow someone who can affect positive change for our benefit. We sort of cede control of our own power to this person that we call a leader because they can do things to help mobilize us and get good outcomes. So leadership is monumentally and massively important. But just as the greatest things that have ever happened have become because of leaders, so have some of the worst things that have ever happened has become because of a leader as well, like genocide or ethnic cleansing with a monomaniacal leader. So leadership itself can be good or bad. It's what happens to the individual who is given the ability to be a leader. Which way will they go? How will they use their power is a central question that we ask in the book. You, you talk about it in the book, and you kind of said it uh, a little bit earlier that, you know, uh, a leader can have distorted feedback loops, whether it's yes men or people that are uh, kissing up for their own personal advantage, and if you start believing your press clippings, you can you can certainly get a big head and get in trouble. So, uh, can you describe for those individuals that are listening to us either live here and or on iHeartRadio and po- our podcast channels, what happens when you start to not realize you're getting distorted feedback as a leader? Yeah. So uh, as the as you're getting this distorted feedback, and if you start believing your own press clippings, as you say, it starts to feed the ego, and the ego swells, and it's no longer about serving the people that you're leading. Now it becomes about the gratification and the enlargement of your own needs and your own ego. And this is what the idea of hubris. We center the book on this. This sort of this is what the killer is, is hubris, and it's an old Greek word that as me and my co-author were talking with one another, he kept bringing up that word hubris because they use it in the military. And as you know, Rick, the, my, author was, uh, my co-author was John Havlick, who was a captain in the Navy SEAL, in the Navy SEALs for about 30 years. And he led all SEAL teams, including DevGrew, which is their big top secret team. And so he would use this word hubris, and it turns out that hubris means sort of the overuse, the over-dangerous overconfidence, they call it. It has an insinuation of taking pleasure in other people's pain, and there's even a nasty insinuation of sexual gratification. And all of this was happening when we were writing the book during the Me Too movement, and it sort of came to the fore that, you know, this is the topic, is a hubristic leadership and how dangerous it can be for the people that are leading others. You talk about the six things that hubris can kill within an organization, mission, morale, performance, loyalty, ethics, and reputation. As you put those together, that's a very powerful two pages, frankly, of of how dangerous hubris can be on the part of the leader. Did you you see that through your research, or how did you identify those six areas of a healthy company that hubris can kill? 
you know, John and I collectively have 50 years of leadership experience. John's experience working as a commander of SEAL teams in the military community, special operations, right? This is like elite military leadership. And my own experience was working with thousands of leaders, which I continue to do just as you do, Richard, designing, developing, and delivering leadership development programs throughout the world. Having said that, both John and I have graduate degrees. I studied leadership. I did my thesis on leadership. But when you interact with leadership uh, leaders in the leader community day in, day out as your professional discipline for 25 years each, you start to see patterns of behavior. And hubristic leadership does all of the things that you just talked about. And the, the one that is sort of the, the crime in all of this is the lost potential of how that leader could have been had they not gotten swept up in their own ego. When they decimate their entire reputation by doing something for their own gratification and fulfillment, it, think of all the good that they could have done had they not gotten tempted out into bad behavior. So their legacy gets suboptimized, suboptimized by being hubristic, and that's the crime. Right. You uh, have a litany of people in your book, very contemporaneous, very current, of people that are well-known, successful men who have fallen for a variety of the reasons. And you also had women in there, so it's not just a male thing, but you had quite a number of people that, in reading your book, you go, oh, yeah, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that, Harvey Weinstein, etc. So very, very interesting. Right. You know, you talk about, and I found it very powerful for me, frankly, that this duality of responsibility that a leader has, and that is uh, being responsible to the charges, to the people who are in their organization, but also, especially if the leader has a boss or is, is not the top of the organization, but even if they are, I find this in the privately held companies that I work with, this need to continuously produce results and how those two are um, kind of working forces that really create stress for the leader. Could, could you share a little bit of that insight with my audience? Sure, especially for middle managers, right? They're getting it from multiple directions. On the one hand, they're getting pressure from above to produce results. And it's, have you ever met a senior executive who wanted to do less in a year? They typically want more, 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 more results, better results and such. And this is, you know, I mean, it's really kind of what leaders are asked to do, do, you know, cheaper, faster, better year in, year out, and if you do well this year, hey, let's do it by 10% more next year. That's what the growth imperative, and it makes sense, but that pressure comes down on the leader. Up underneath the leader are the people whose mouths they're feeding and whose skills they're developing and who have their own needs and wants of the leader, and sometimes they're not in alignment with what's pressing from above. So the leader is contorted in the middle of those two pressure points of responsibilities on the one hand that they have to do right by their people, and the pressure, unending, incessant pressure to get better results from the bosses above them. And in that, it becomes difficult to hold both of those places and honor both responsibilities. So I have Bill Treasure. His latest book is The Leadership Killer, Reclaiming Humility in an Age of Arrogance. And I've got about six more minutes with you, and I have two questions that I desperately want to get to. Um, the first one is you write about how a leader's own inadequacies can be magnified through the success that they have achieved, which can then be their undoing. Could you could you talk a little bit about how I wrote down here that kind of leadership unmasks a, a leader's inadequacies or shortcomings? Yeah, this idea that you know leadership doesn't necessarily 
build character. It reveals character. And if we get honest about it, you know, I, we spend a whole chapter talking about the great Cherokee story of the two wolves, the, the uh, dark wolf and the light wolf, both existing inside of every human being, that tension between wanting my own needs to be fulfilled, selfishness, and wanting to be compassionate towards the needs of others, selflessness. You know, the, an example might be uh, uh, Elliot Spitzer, who was the attorney general of New York City. And he cleaned up the streets of New York City, and he, he was uh, terrific against criminal behavior. And one of the things that he cleaned up, in fact, was prostitution, right? And, and he made great strides in reducing prostitution in New York City while he himself was a solicitor of prostitution. So on the one hand, his, the, the uh, sort of the good angels in him is doing right by New York City. On the other hand, he's fulfilling his own sort of inadequacies as a human being and the need for fulfillment and gratification and, uh, and being with prostitutes and you know, high, high-priced escorts. And uh, so this is the, the danger, right? Like, I become above the law even though I'm the great enforcer of the law. Look at me cleaning up uh, the city of New York City, Gotham. And, uh, but on the other hand, I've got this secret life that I'm uh, trying to mask by portraying something that I'm not. So uh, this happens, too, with egos, right? I mean, the classic story is The Wizard of Oz. We see the great and powerful green-headed Oz. Who goes there with that big head? But then you pull the mask behind the curtain, and there's a you know, regular man like the rest of us. So sometimes... The bigger the ego, the more it's masking an actual fragile ego being portrayed as big uh, by the person to mask their own inadequacies. So, Bill, I wouldn't do my audience justice if I didn't ask you in the four minutes that we now have on the program, Critical Mass Radio Show, we have author Bill Treasurer here talking about the contents of his book, The Leadership Killer. You, you talk about humility being the kind of anecdote, my words, to hubris in a leader. Can, can you sort of take us quickly through the, the, how you put humility to work as a leader to avoid hubris? So what's, what's kind of funny, Richard, is the, the studies of humility, right? When you give people surveys and if you say, you know, but do you consider yourself to be humble? If you ask a question and they answer it, yes, right? Like, are they really humble? So right. it's, a, it's an odd thing to study. Um, having said that, a leader can do some things and sort of act as if and then act their way into humility behavior. First is the leaders through their own hubris, including John Havlick in, this, in the story, the central story of the book. When hubris gets too big and your ego gets in the way, there will be a natural, almost universal reverberation and some sort of decimation of yourself, and we call that humiliation. And that is the starting point a lot of times of humility, when you get humiliated. Maybe you get a 360-degree feedback that tells you you're doing a bad job and you thought you were doing a great job. Maybe you get fired. Some sort of a humiliating event becomes the potential entry point for humility. But besides that, doing things like what John calls walking the deck plates. It was important to him as an officer to make sure that he walked on the deck plate of the ship and talked eyeball to eyeball to the people on the ground instead of being up in the rarefied air of the bridge, so walking the deck plates. Um, doing things like asking for input instead of always being the one to has. You don't have to have all the answers as a leader. It's dangerous if you think you do. If you think you have all the answers, you should quit because you won't. You will be wrong. So ask the people around you for input. Solicit their input and lend a listening ear 
to the things that they, the wise counsel that they will give you. And it's just a demonstration of humility is to be able to ask for help when you need it and say things like, I don't know when you don't know, instead of trying to fake it. So I imagine, I know you've written a number of books, Bill, but in reading this book, and, and by the way, I wholly endorse it for the busy CEO and business owner. This is a this is an easy read with a great depth to it. So it's it's a rare combination of a fair content with deep insight. You must have enjoyed writing this book because this book it, it, it's a lot of fun to read. So you must you and your writing partner must have really enjoyed the process of writing this book. Yeah, well, it was true. And by the way, Richard, thanks so much for having me on today's show. And I wrote it with a buddy of mine who I reconnected with after 25 years. And after reconnecting, we were sending each other text messages and articles about leadership because it's a passion of both of ours. And and we started recognizing that many of the stories were about leadership fails, and they were happening with more frequency. So we decided to write this book, The Leadership Killer. My, my favorite review actually comes from a testimonial that's not in the book, but it's from Ken Blanchard. I know you know the great writer who's written 70 leadership and management books, including the great book, The One Minute Manager. And Ken Blanchard said, Bill, what I loved about the book is, man, you don't let the reader off the hook. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, as a reader reads it, uh, it really becomes self-reflective. We want to think that, you know, Let's face it, there are leaders in the world right now who are sort of larger than life, and that sort of takes the responsibility and onus of attention off ourselves to say, look at that leader, I can't believe they're getting away with this and that. But we wanted the book to be self-reflective, for the reader to be able to look and say, what about me might be in danger of getting hubristic? How can I do better by the people that I lead? And in that respect, John, and I hope that the book does a service to help people stay on the right path of leadership, and he and I have, have dipped into both the wrong path and the right path in the course of our careers. Yeah, well, Ken's right, because there were some uncomfortable moments as I read your book, because having been a leader, we uh, unfortunately, we can see ourselves in some of the stories and examples that you share and the frailty of being a leader. You know, we, we didn't get a chance to talk about how you talk about the need for being somewhat selfish as a leader, being self-caring, and how that can actually be a detriment to the leader. Some pretty um, shocking statistics in there about how unhealthy, frankly, CEOs of major organizations have been in the past and hopefully won't be in the future. So um, much more to this book, ladies and gentlemen, than we were able to cover in the brief time that we had together with this author. But I would uh, encourage you to go and seek this book out. Bill, how do they find the book if they want to buy a copy or maybe the audio copy? The best thing to do would go to giantleapconsulting.com slash killer, giantleapconsulting.com killer, or their favorite online retailer. Right. And on your site, you have many other books that you've authored and been a part of as well, so they can get, get to see the full breadth of your experience. So, you know, I really want to thank you for this whirlwind interview. Thanks for being a friend of the show, a new member to the Critical Mass for Business Community. And uh, I've just enjoyed this book very much. So I, I thank you for bringing it to our attention here in the community. Richard, what a great honor to be on your show. And I'd be happy to be on again anytime you want. Thanks a lot. Okay. Buddy. I'll take you up on that. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. I'd like to thank our engineer for today as well, Paul Roberts, our producers without whom we couldn't do this show each been... and every week. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley's no, and Vanessa Holland. Sorry, I got a little screwed up there. If you want to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. 
You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.